Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Express to Impress podcast. It's Christine here, and I'm thrilled to share some exciting news with you all. Speaking in an organized way is one of the most challenging aspects of communicating effectively in English, and many of the people I work with have told me that they want to learn this vital skill. So in August, I'll be running a special four-week organized speaking program. You can learn how to speak confidently in many workplace scenarios, receive personalized feedback, and get your hands on my organized speaking guidebook to master the American business English communication style. Stay tuned until the end of this episode for all the details on how to sign up. Now, let's dive into my conversation with my lovely guest. Hello, it's Christine here with the Express to Impress podcast. This week, I am excited to welcome Claire Whitmell to the show. Claire and I know many of the same people, and I really admire the work she's doing. Claire is an English teacher and coach, helping people to speak English more easily and confidently. She also runs a podcast at smartenglishcoach.com. Today, we will be talking about fluency and grammar, exercises to become more fluent in English, and how to change the way you think about your speaking for more confidence. Welcome, Claire. So happy to have you. Thank you so much, Christine, for such a lovely introduction. I'm really happy to be here. Wonderful. Let's go ahead and get started. So Claire, my first question is about fluency and grammar. So many people want to improve both. So can you tell me how do fluency and grammar play distinct roles in language learning and how can learners effectively develop both aspects to enhance their proficiency? That's a great question, Christine, because obviously both are very important. So grammar helps us to speak accurately and clearly so that the other person can follow our ideas. We need good grammar to avoid misunderstandings, and that's where it helps communication the most. And obviously, with an advanced grammar, you can do many, many more things. So you can be more persuasive. Advanced grammar helps us to speak more formally and so on. And it's generally grammar that we focus on most when we start learning English. But then obviously we also need fluency. So by fluency, I mean that we can speak without too much hesitation or without pausing too much. And when we are fluent, it makes it easier for the other person to keep listening. So both things are really important. but the problem comes when we can't focus on both things at the same time because it just takes up too much headspace. So we tend to focus when we speak on our accuracy. We want to avoid making mistakes. So that means that we focus on our grammar, on using the right vocabulary and on our pronunciation. But when we do this, we then sacrifice our fluency because we're concentrating so much on being accurate that we end up hesitating, for example. And then if we do it the other way around, if we focus on our fluency, then we can sacrifice our accuracy. We perhaps forget the right words that we want to use and we forget the grammar. And this is something that can be really frustrating when you're learning English. It's difficult to 
focus on both these two things, unless, of course, we already are very sure about the information. So unless we already know the grammar and the vocabulary. And in terms of how we develop both these things, I think grammar perhaps is easier to develop, especially if you're learning on your own. So there are lots of self-study courses, self-study books. You can go online and find lots of grammar quizzes. It's much more difficult, I think, to find fluency exercises that you can do on your own. But there are things that you can do, especially without a teacher. Absolutely. This is a challenge when learning any language is determining what to focus your efforts on. And yeah. so many times I meet students who want to improve everything and it is too much to focus on everything all at once. So I love your advice to choose to focus on grammar or choose to focus on fluency so that it's more manageable. Yes, I think manageable is a good word to use when you're talking about learning a language. There are so many different aspects of it. Absolutely. So that leads nicely to the next question. Could you share some activities that help learners practice meaningful fluency? Yes, I love that phrase, meaningful fluency, because often what I see people doing is just speaking about something and then they go on to something else. And I think that doesn't use your time in the best way. So before you start speaking, if you have an intention or a goal for your speaking, then you do that speaking. And then after you reflect on how you speak and what you say, this, I think, gives you better fluency practice. Now, often if you've got a teacher or a coach, they can give you feedback. They can say, all right, you should really work on this aspect or that aspect of your speaking. But there are lots of things that you can do to develop fluency on your own. So lots of activities involve recording yourself. And this is something that I do with my students in the English Fluency Club. And that's a club that we have for developing people's English fluency. And it works on what I call the three R principle which is when you repeat something, you then record what you say, and then after that, you review what you have said. So the idea is to repeat, to record, and to review. So one of these recording activities that I use is very, very simple. I give my students a prompt, an idea to speak about, and then I ask them to record themselves speaking. Now, if you don't have a teacher, you can still do this on your own. Generally, you only need to speak for one or two minutes. But the key idea is to repeat your recording. So you speak about something, maybe you speak about your job or a project that you're working on or your hobby. Talk about it for a minute, recording yourself. And then after that one or two minutes, listen to your recording. Ask yourself a couple of questions. Did you use the vocabulary that you wanted? Did you pause a lot? Did you have difficulties with the pronunciation? Was the grammar okay? And then the next step is to record yourself for the second time on the same subject. After that, listen to both recordings side by side. Did you improve in the second recording? Hopefully you did because you are repeating what you have already said. 
And then there's a the third step is that you then send to me your best recording for my feedback. In fact, a student told me recently that she did the recording nine times. I don't think you need to do it that frequently, <laughs> but just just a few times is enough to get that extra practice. And of course, if you're doing it on your own without a teacher, you can listen to the recordings and I hope that you will begin to see some progress in your fluency. And you can ask yourself a few questions. So which words gave you problems in terms of pronunciation? Which words did you miss? Where did you sound less confident and why was that? And how did the pausing become less frequent? Oh, I love this so much. And I'm so inspired by this method that you are using to teach your students to speak with more fluency. I would probably only do it if I knew they were enjoying it. And they do because they can actually see and hear for themselves how their fluency is improving. And in fact, you can use recording with lots of other ideas. For example, you could read out a short news story and then count the number of pauses. Mm. Or you could record your pronunciation of difficult sounds. So difficult sounds are likely to make you hesitate when you speak, or they'll make you less clear to other people. And it's a good idea to use what we call minimum pair exercises with this. So that's pairs of words where only one sound is different. So for example, vet and wet, the the different sound there is the v and the w. And this causes problems for speakers of German, for example, or ship and sheep with the i and the e sound. And they cause problems for lots of uh, speakers of different languages. They cause difficulties for lots of speakers of different languages. And the important thing is when you do this exercise, can you hear the difference in your recording? Wonderful. And I'm so happy to hear that you use this with students who find it useful. I mean, that's the that's what students want is to find a method that works for them. And it sounds quite convenient, just one or two minute recordings and you can listen to yourself so you could fit this in during your day whenever you have time for it. Absolutely. You can have something tangible to track your progress, which is so helpful because it is a big journey. It's a long journey to becoming fluent and feeling really confident about your English language skills. So to have these records that track your progress along the way is is really meaningful. Yes, absolutely. In fact, that's something that can really help your confidence as well. So if you, for example, keep a sort of English success journal where you note down all the times where you've done something successful in English, that doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be as small as being comfortable in a conversation or finishing a short story or listening to a a news story and understanding, say, 60 or 70 percent of it. But when you see for yourself how you are achieving things along your English journey, it does increase your confidence. Wonderful. And can you share with me uh, maybe what one of your students has shared with you or the feedback you've received from one of your students about this approach? 
Well, actually, I can share a story. It's quite a big story that I have a student who was, I would say, really suffering from low confidence. She didn't feel very fluent when she spoke English. And it took her quite a long time to feel comfortable speaking English. And then a couple of weeks ago in our group lessons, I asked her how she was. And she said, guess what? She said, I went to an English interview last week, which was already a big thing for her. And I went, oh, fantastic. How did it go? And she said, I got the job. And I was like, well, that is amazing. Well done. We were all really excited for her. But she said, you know, I remembered what you had said to me that to feel confident in my abilities to go ahead to do the interview and I passed it, I got the job. And it's taken her quite a long time to get to this stage. But the fact that she attends all the lessons, the fact that she makes an effort meant, of course, that she could get the job. And what I thought was so excellent, not just her accomplishment about getting the job that she wanted, was the fact that she does feel confident. And what I have found uh, with a lot of my students is that mainly they already have jobs and they're often very expert in their jobs. So mm -hmm. they're very professional. They're quite high up in their careers, but their English skills are not at the same level as their professional skills. And this mm -hmm. is something that I think can really lower your confidence. So we need to find ways of building confidence so that people don't think that their their level of English is has an impact on their professional level. It's okay to have two different levels. It's okay to have a very high level in your job, but not to have the same level of English ability yet. And I think that word yet is really important. I love that you are encouraging your students to pursue jobs that they want, that they're qualified for, even if their English skills doesn't match the same level of their professional skills yet. That's awesome. Exactly. As I said, that word yet is very important. So often we focus on what we can't do. So we say, oh, I can't give a confident presentation in English. But if you add that word yet, it completely changes the way that you see it. And it gives you hope that although you can't do it now, you will be able to do it in the future. So for example, I can't negotiate with a supplier in English yet, or I don't feel confident attending a job interview in English yet. But mm -hmm. at that point, you can start thinking about the little steps that you can take that will make you more ready for that big goal for the interview or for the negotiation or for the presentation or whatever it, it is that you want to do. Such a powerful little word. And it I is. love that she shared that among others because so often people can have quite lonely language learning journeys. And so yes. I imagine her experience was very inspiring for others and might make them believe they could also get a job in English if, if they want it. Yes, I think that's one of the advantages of learning in a group. So I run the English Fluency Club where, as I said, we have a few professionals that we meet regularly for English. And the best thing about it, I think, is that it is a real community. 
So people support each other, people motivate each other. And when you have this amount of friendship and support behind you, then it makes you want to keep going with your English as well. Because as you said, it is very often a lonely journey. It's very Mm -hmm. hard to see your progress. Sometimes you can feel disappointed if you don't get what you want or if you for example stumble over your English in a meeting it can make you feel less confident but when you Mm -hmm. have other people to cheer you on and to say that's fantastic then that motivates you to keep going as well. Yes wonderful I love that you offer that and this is a nice tie into my final question I have for you so Do you have any additional tips on changing one's mindset about speaking to lead to increased confidence? Yes. So, of course, the first thing is really to separate in your head your professional skills from your English skills. So if you have a mismatch in skills, your English skills are not a reflection on who you are as a professional person. I think that's the first thing to really try to feel. Then obviously to map out a few goals for yourself, even small goals are really helpful that will take you further along your English journey. To make sure that you are tracking your achievements, to get practice, to get as much practice as possible with English. So I have a student at the moment who's looking for work in London and each interview for her is another opportunity to practice interview questions, to sound confident, to talk with recruiters and to talk with hiring managers. And her approach is very much, I'm going to go to this interview to find out what it's like to practice my English, to feel more confident, because the more that you do something, the more confident that you feel. But then, of course, the real thing is to change your mindset, to rather than think that mistakes are bad or that they reflect badly on your professional self, to accept them and to learn from them and accept that you've already come a long way in your English journey and that you can go further. Because obviously the rewards of having a good level of English are enormous. So they will impact on your career and on your personal life and on your social life. But then I think the main thing and something that we often lose sight of is to find ways that you can really enjoy learning English because it is a process, because it will take you time. You need to find things that make you excited about English. And that can be different things. It could be the idea of being in a community of other English learners like in the Fluency Club, or it could be something that gives you great personal pleasure. If your one of your hobbies is crafts, for example, and you follow crafts videos and tutorials on YouTube in English, for example, that might be that thing that keeps you motivated, that keeps you going on with your English studies. So if you can find that enjoyment, then I think that's one of the things that will transform your learning experience. So many great tips. I love it. And I wanted to kind of build on something you said about mistakes, how we can change our perception of them. One thing I I point out to my students when they make a mistake and they realize they've made a mistake, 
is that that means they are halfway there because many times people make mistakes and they don't realize they've made a mistake. But once you start making the mistake and noticing it, that's a huge win because that means your mind is processing and hearing it and you will begin saying it correctly and not making the mistake. But that definitely is a sign of progress. I completely agree, especially for these types of, you know, what we call fossilized mistakes, mistakes that that are in our brain and they're very difficult to shift. So they remain there like old fossils. It's very, (laughs) it's very hard to get rid of these mistakes. But if you focus on one thing at a time when you're speaking. So, for example, if you know that you always make a mistake with a particular word, then when you use that word again, you can take maybe a nanosecond, a tiny moment to really decide whether or not that's the right word for you. It happens also with things like preposition mistakes. Maybe you say depend of rather than depend on. So the next time you say the word depend, take that second and really focus on getting the preposition right. Because these mistakes, they might be very, very small, but once you have mastered them, as you said, once that you know that once you realize that you've got that mistake and you focus on it and you correct that mistake, then that is when you start to make real progress. Yes, I absolutely agree. Yes. Wonderful. Well, Claire, thank you so much for your time. I want to mention one more thing here. I am launching an organized speaking program in August, and I'm very excited about it. What I have found is that I work with people to get ready for interviews and we can get them ready for the interview, but we, during that process, identify a lot of areas where they could improve in their communication skills. And I wanted to provide a way for them to continue learning with me. So in this program, it will be very focused. It will be learning to speak English in an organized way to communicate with Americans. So I work with people outside the U.S. or inside the U.S., and many of them want to learn how to present their ideas more concisely or give feedback in a more concise way answer an impromptu question without rambling, that sort of thing. And I'm really excited to offer a format that allows them to record themselves, get my feedback, re-record themselves, and hear that progress. So I may have questions for you as I go along, since this is the first time I'm offering this, and you already are offering a similar format to your students. But thank you so much for, for sharing your experience and the results of it for your students. Well, good luck with the speaking program. I can definitely recommend using recordings to measure what you say, to reflect on what you say. And of course, if you've got any questions, don't hesitate. I'd be delighted to help. And thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast, Christine. Absolutely. I've learned so much from you and I'm going to share your website in the show notes so people can find you on your website as well. So smartenglishcoach.com. Thank you very much indeed. Absolutely. Thank you, Claire. Now let's shift gears and dive into the details of my four-week organized speaking program. 
This program is designed for anyone who wants to learn how to speak in an organized way, which will be especially helpful if you work with Americans. It offers speaking practice relevant for many workplace scenarios, such as introducing yourself to a new colleague, sharing your work accomplishments, telling a story, presenting an idea in a meeting, answering impromptu questions, sharing a project update, providing task instructions, and more. Mastering these skills will help you stand out, leading to promotions and job opportunities. I'm particularly thrilled to offer a new flexible format that suits busy professionals. Here's how the program works. Each week of the four-week program, I'll send you two speaking tasks. You'll record yourself completing the tasks and send the recordings to me. I'll listen to them and provide feedback and suggestions through my own recorded messages. You'll then implement my suggestions and send the revised recordings back to me, and I'll continue providing feedback. This targeted approach has proved effective in improving business English communication skills and addressing unique communication challenges. As a bonus, you'll receive my organized speaking guidebook, which includes strategies for answering questions confidently and concisely, handling unexpected questions, storytelling techniques, examples, and more. To ensure high quality, personalized feedback, I'll be limiting the program to just five participants. The introductory rate for this program is $150 and future programs will be priced higher. For more details and to sign up by August 1st, please visit my website at express-2-impress.com forward slash communication skills training. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening to the Express to Impress podcast. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. If you found this episode helpful, please remember to share it with a friend. See you next time. Bye.